I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 8, verses uh, verse 11, to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, um, which you're all looking above my head, so I'm guessing it's on a screen. Um, I've, I've not attended an Anglican church for about 20 years, but um, to let you know I've finished, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And, and when I do, if you say thanks be to God, that'll, that'll be wonderful. Um, okay, so Isaiah 8, 11. This is what the Lord says to me, with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upwards will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I will uh, just pray for Aaron as he, uh, as he comes up. Uh, Lord God, I pray for Aaron as he, uh, as he speaks to us. I pray that you will, uh, you will guide him, uh, give him uh, wisdom and sight. And Lord, I pray you will bless us, the congregation, as well as we hear um, what you have to say to us through Aaron, that uh, we will be able to pick out all the, uh, the juicy morsels, Lord, that you have set out for us. And this will uh, be something we take with us this week and onwards. Amen.
Uh, it'd be great if you had a Bible open with this passage in front of you. If there's one uh, in the chair in front of you or near you, doesn't matter if you don't, but you might find it helpful. We've got a page number. We're, we're um, Isaiah chapter 8 in the church Bible. Come on, Matt. <laughs> One eight six. Four eight six. Wonderful. We're on page four eight six. So um Isaiah, we we are working through the restore program and we've started the book of Isaiah, which is um one of the the most amazing books. Um we missed last week, unfortunately, Nigel decided to preach on something else. We didn't have the kind of introduction to, to Isaiah, which one was hoping for. Um, but, uh, so I, I'll, I'll very briefly touch on it, but, but um, not, not very much. Isaiah, the, the kind of events of Isaiah start around 734 years before Christ was born. So we're talking nearly 3,000 years ago. And I think, um, you know, my first question is, what on earth is something that happened nearly 3,000 years ago? I mean, the context of that is mind-blowing, right? That our kind of Western civilization started a few hundred years ago in terms of the Renaissance and all that, you know, our kind of modern history. We're talking 3,000 years ago. What on earth can this um, tell us about anything to do with, with modern life? And the situation is... Um, Brian, if you go to the first slide, um, there's, there's a political context which I'll, I want to explain to you, um, and then we'll look at a bit more at this passage. Um, and it's important because Isaiah, first of all, speaks into this political situation. And the situation is this. In, um, Isaiah's living in Judah, um, in Jerusalem. And uh, just, uh, just, sorry, just a little caveat first of all. I'm looking at people in this room who really know all about this stuff. Um, and, and I'm not a professional theologian, so if I get anything wrong, feel free to put your hand up and go, uh-uh. Um, so Isaiah is living in Jerusalem, and in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah had been a king for about 50 years in Jerusalem. Um, it, it, it'd been quite a good um, kingship, although sort of t- was tailing off towards the end, shall we say. Um, and at that time, there was um, some sort of political manoeuvring in the area. And the big, the big kind of upcoming nation was Assyria. Assyria was the, the kind of uh, the rising power, and Assyria was just deciding it was going to take over or, or threaten the local um, countries. And the two countries that you can see in, in pink and green there, Aram and Israel, um, had decided that because they were being so threatened by Assyria, they were going to make a pact together. And they wanted the new king of Jerusalem, the new king of Judah, uh, a, a man called Ahaz, they wanted him to join their pact. Um, so that's the kind of context we're in. We've got a, 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 a massive nation threatening small nations. Those small nations are going to try and work together. Those two nations approach, approach Ahaz and say, come and join us in our fight against Assyria. And that's kind of where we pick up the story. And Isaiah, um, in the book of Isaiah, in, in chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision of God, this amazing moment in, in his life where he says, I saw the Lord seated, lifted up on high. And, and he has this kind of vision of heaven. And um, he is called at that moment, uh, amazingly, miraculously, and, and read that chapter to find out a bit more about it. He is called to speak into the current situation. But more than that, 
Isaiah has this kind of vision, not just of what is happening now, what God wants to say now, but what is going to happen in the long term and what God wants to say in the long term. And so some of the themes we see in in Isaiah are, are not just about the kind of political situation of the now, but he talks about Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that's coming. He talks about the servant king that's coming. In our reading today, he talked about for us a child will be born. In the future, a child will be born. And so as we read Isaiah, we're kind of, we're reading the kind of the local events that were happening nearly 3,000 years ago. But in our heads, we're also being given glimpses, um, quite big glimpses actually, of what is going to come. Isaiah's vision then sees God, not just the kind of local God, another God of gods, uh, the God of Judah that's going to fight the God of Israel and the God of Assyria, but as the God of the universe, the God of the cosmos, the God of human history. So at that time, Isaiah um, has this, this word from the Lord to go and speak to Ahaz, the king. And he says to the king, um, I know that you've been asked to make a pact with these local um, countries. I know that Syria is rising. God says, it's in my hands. God says, don't, do any, don't make a pact with these other nations. Uh, I will look after you. Ahaz, in, in classic human style, decides, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm, going to, I'm actually going to pay tribute to Assyria. I'm going to try and appease Assyria. I'm not going in with those other two countries. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's where we pick up our, our narrative today. So if you've got your text open, your, your book open, um, your book, your Bible, um, we're at chapter 8, and we're starting at verse 11. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. And all I want to do this morning is just kind of highlight a few, in Colin's words, morsels um, to, to, to put before you. And, and the first morsel that really stood out to me was this, just the strong hand of the Lord was upon me. And um, it, this is almost kind of a, a, a sort of a, an aside to what I wanted to say. But um, have you felt the strong hand of the Lord on you? Or have you felt that kind of presence of the Holy Spirit on you? And I wanted just to encourage you, Helen spoke a couple of weeks ago that we are all prophets and priests um, in the new Jerusalem. We are in the new kingdom, um, we're called to be prophets and priests. So we're all called to be prophetic. We're all called to sit under the weight of the Holy Spirit. And, and just kind of as an aside, I want to encourage you that, um, you know, the New Testament says, um, desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And, and if that's something that you desire, do ask God for that today. There's a, there's a heaviness or a, a presence of God that you feel um, that God wants us all to participate in. And uh, I'd, I'd love to, it's, it's not my gift to, uh, to give, but I'd love to pray with you or the elders or somebody would love to pray with you at the end of the service if you think, yeah, oh, I'd love to step into that. Anyway, that's an aside. The strong hand of the Lord um, was upon me. And... Um, he said this. He said, uh, don't follow the way of this people. He said, do not call conspiracy everything these people call conspiracy. Can we go to the next slide, Colin? And as I read this passage, I really had a sense of the people walking in darkness. Um, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We're about to read that, but um, rather... rather um, Negatively, we're going to start by thinking about the people walking in darkness. And what it says in this passage is they're consumed with conspiracies that are happening. And you can imagine it, can't you? If you're in Jerusalem, 
Assyria is on the, on the ascension. There's two other countries trying to make political pacts with us. You can imagine the kind of political conspiracies and gossip and things that are happening in the city. And God says, um, these conspiracies are not my conspiracies. The things that the people fear, it carries on saying, do not fear what they fear, do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. So imagine being in Jerusalem then. Imagine that um, you know, the political, the political people know that these other countries are trying to make pacts with your king and he's refusing to do that. You know that he's going to try and appease with, with Assyria. I mean, think about what, you know, the, the, the prequel to the Second World War, of that appeasement policy. You can imagine that there's kind of people power struggling and people having whispers in corners. And you can imagine the whole, your whole kind of focus is on there. And it occurred to me that um, that sounds very familiar. That sounds really familiar, that, that my focus is being really directed by media and social media. And I'm really bothered about things that are going on in Westminster. Um, and I don't seem to be bothered about some of the other huge things that are happening in the world in terms of justice or injustice. It feels to me like I get really quickly swept up with the conspiracies or the gossip that's going on. And, and don't mishear me, they're not bad things necessarily, they're things that we probably should be bothered about. So, you know, I, I, I'm reading all about the, um, um, the COVID uh, inquiry at the moment, and I'm reading all about, and I'm thinking all about Partygate and all those things. Um, and, and I wonder whether God is saying to me, and God is saying to us, these conspiracies are not my conspiracies. These things that we're fearing, we don't need to fear those because, because I am God, I am the Holy One. And there's something about walking in darkness. And, and I think one of the dangers about this passage, as I was thinking about it, I found that I very quickly went into, I'm walking in light and I'm thinking about people walking in darkness. And, and I found I was very kind of quickly looking down on, oh, isn't it good to be in the light? And, and, and all these people in darkness, it must be, must be really, really sad, uh, really hard. And, and that really challenged me. Because actually, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that my drift is into darkness all the time. My drift is into conspiracies or gossip or, or whatever's happening. My focus is turning um, sometimes to the wrong things. A kind of analogy, and again... A, don't mishear this. A kind of analogy of this was, was um, the things that happened around the, the, the sort of boats that have, have sunk recently. And um, both situations are desperately sad, right? Um, but we have a boat or a, a submarine with five people in it. And um, it's just been across the media constantly. Um, what's happening? We've got hours to go. Da, 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 da. Uh, millions and millions of pounds have been spent on trying to find this sub with these five people in it, and, and, and the sort of conspiracies about, was the sub built properly, and, and all those kind of things. Meanwhile, there's a boat that sank, or this boat's sinking all the time, aren't there, with, with human beings on them who are trying to escape desperate situations. One sank off Greece, it had 750 people on it. It was mentioned, didn't hear much more about it. That's a bit of an analogy to me between what, what we are focusing on and what we should be focusing on. And I think there's a challenge here. Um, God says, these conspiracies, people walking in darkness are consumed with some conspiracies or, or gossip or things that are happening. And maybe that's not where I am. I'm sure God, was in, God cares passionately for both those situations. 
But in terms of the kind of the size of it, I wonder what the most important thing is. If we go to the end of this passage in chapter 8, um, and it, there's so much in it, we can't cover everything, but the kind of the, it seems to me that from chapter 19 onwards, um, Isaiah, or this, this prophecy of Isaiah, presses a bit more into um, the people walking in darkness. It talks about... Um, men consulting with spiritualists and mediums. He talks about um, distressed and hungry, they roam through the land. When they are famished, they become enraged and looking up, they curse their king and their God. And then they look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness. And, it, and as I read it, I really had this kind of burden of, yeah, walking in darkness is, is just really horrible. Um, the, as you walk in darkness, it, it, it sort of occurred to me that there's kind of references to, to going to spiritualists and mediums. As I look around, I think my friends and the people I meet, they are desperate for some spiritual meaning. They are desperate to understand their place in, in, society, in the world. Spiritualism isn't dead, right? We've, we've just heard that in the Baptist Union, things are just sort of going down over the last 10 years. But people aren't like, less hungry for, for the spiritual. People really want to understand things, and they're trying things. And they're going down all these cul-de-sacs and all these kind of dark places to try and find out what, what the meaning of it all is. And if we don't point them to Jesus Christ, then, then they will be living in darkness. And as I read that, I thought, wasn't it amazing, isn't it interesting that first of all, they, as they become enraged, they, and, and that's kind of got this sense of... Um, you know, running around so angry. And, and I see that in, I, I'm a teacher, and I see um, in students sometimes, they get, they get so angry, and they, they, can't, they can't articulate why they're angry. They, can't, they don't understand, and, and we can sort of give some understanding to it, knowing backgrounds and all the kinds of things like that. And you sort of, in this passage, it felt a bit like that to me. You know, the, these people are running around enraged because they don't understand. They don't understand um, why they're in darkness. And first of all, it says they look upwards, and they curse their God and their king. And I thought, yeah, I, I bet people are enraged because they want really great leadership. Um, and sometimes, trying not to be political, sometimes we haven't had that in our, in our politicians, in our leaders, or in our spiritual leaders, let's be honest. Um, what, what leadership are, 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 are people looking for? It's moral leadership, it's political leadership, it's spiritual leadership, cultural leadership. How do we behave towards each other? And as, we get, as people can't find that, people become more and more enraged. And then it says, um, they look towards the earth and they see only distress and darkness. So we're looking up and we can't find, we can't find um, the light and so we become enraged. And then we're looking at the earth, we're looking at what we can have, what we can do, our possessions, our money, our ambitions. And again, it's utter darkness. Crappy Sunday morning, everybody. Uh, are you still with me? <laughs> That's this passage. Isaiah says, I'm I'm speaking into this moment and I see a people walking in darkness. And even though that's 3,000 years ago, that seems to resonate with me today. That's kind of the things I see. Do you notice though, um, and if we just go on to the next slide, please, Brian. Um, Isaiah's answer to that is in in verse 18 in chapter 8. He says, here am I with the children the Lord has given to me. We are signs and symbols in Israel for the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. 
That really jumped out at me. That Isaiah isn't going around berating people. Actually, he does a bit. But in, in this bit, um, he says, he said, our job, um, and, and that sort of reference to his sons, is, is possibly his physical sons, but also his kind of group of disciples that followed him. Our job is to be signs and symbols to God. And I thought, isn't that powerful? That's such a challenge to me, um, to be a sign and a symbol. And that's proactive, isn't it? We can look at all, we can look at people walking in darkness, and we can get really depressed, um, but we can be signs and symbols. I had to look up what a sign and symbol was. Um, So a sign points to something or indicates the presence or occurrence of something. Um, I thought if I put God in there, that would help us. So a sign for us uh, points to Jesus. So being a sign points to Jesus. I still, in my head, when I see that, I still have my rugby referee who, when, when, they kick a, um, when they kick a penalty in rugby, the referee speaks to the guy, what are you going to do? I'm going to kick a penalty. And then the referee goes like that. And he points to the post. That's being a sign, right? So a sign is uh, somebody points to Jesus or indicates the presence or occurrence of Jesus. That would be cool, right, to be that in this week? A symbol represents or stands for something else. So so being a symbol, we need to represent or stand for Jesus. Um, I'm going to pause for a minute. Brian, can I have the next slide? Here is a, some holiday pics. No, they're not. Um, here is a party I went to last weekend. Woo! Um, it was a 98th uh, year party for my uncle, Uncle Reinhold, uh, of German origin, hence the name. Um, I sat and we had this lovely party, and uh, Uncle Reinhold is he's a, he's a great guy, Christian guy, um, mind as sharp as a tack. I sat with my cousin, and Uncle Reinhold lives with my cousin. Um, and has lived with him for about the last 10 years. Um, my cousin's not a Christian, um, although has tried, to be, has tried to seek out meaning and has tried the church, and, and the church didn't work for him. So sadly, I, mean, I probably shouldn't say that because this is all being recorded, isn't it? Anyway, um, in that party, we, we were sitting down, and I was with my cousin and a, and a group of other guys, and my cousin was saying, I need to tell you this about your uncle. It goes, And, and, and then my cousin says... Is, is anybody Christians here? I know Aaron's a Christian. Anybody else Christians here? And I'm thinking, oh, where's this going? Um, and he said, you need to, about a month ago, Uncle Reinhold had um, a, a really bad, oper- uh, needed a really emergency operation. He woke up in the morning in intense pain, had to go to hospital. And um, in the evening, the, uh, the junior doctor came and said, either I operate, um, if I operate, he's, if I don't operate, he's going to die. And if I do operate, there's, there's a chance he's going to die as well. And I don't, I'm not going to make that call. So I'm going to wait for the senior guy to come in the morning. The senior guy came and um, he said, exactly the same. Um, if, if I don't do this operation, you will die. But if I do this operation, there's a really strong chance you're going to die. And I think I should do it. Um, but you need to know, this, you might not come out of this operation. And I suggest you say goodbye now to your family. And my cousin was there with, my, with, my, um, with their family, and he said, my uncle just looked at absolutely at peace. And my cousin said, I couldn't believe it. He didn't flinch. He didn't flinch. He was absolutely at peace. This is my non-Christian cousin now. And he goes, and do you know what, Iron? I go, I get up every morning, and when Uncle Ryan wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does, he says in a really loud voice, hallelujah, and then he sings a hymn. 
And, uh, and he said, we all say goodbye to him, and he was absolutely at peace. And, and, and he, said, I uh, he said, that's faith, Iron. That's your faith right there. And I thought, flipping <laughs> heck. Um, that, for me, was being a sign and a symbol. Uh, it wasn't kind of like, uh, it didn't have to be big or grand or, or kind of big gestures. But, but Uncle Reinald led his life praising God and, and being true to God. And, and it's had this massive effect on, on my cousin. And so much so that he, he was telling everybody, everybody, about how amazing it is to be a Christian um, at, that, at that party. And I was, was, wasn't. Um, so that, that was interesting. Um, so I guess my question is, and I was going to ask you to kind of talk to the person next to you, but I don't think I will. Um, have a quick think now. And not, I'm not talking grand gestures, or it could be grand gestures. But what is it in this week that you could do? Well, first of all, how are you being a sign and a symbol? Let's celebrate that, first of all, because often it feels like people standing here saying, you know, you should be doing this, you should be... What are you doing as a sign and a symbol? Let's just celebrate. You know, how are, are, you, are you telling people about your faith? Are you living your faith? How's that going this week? And then is there anything, just kind of a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, maybe now, where you might think, actually, if I just did that, or that small thing, I could be more of a sign. A sign, remember, is something that points to Jesus, or indicates the presence of Jesus, or a symbol that represents or stands for Jesus. Anything in your week you think, okay, let's just take a minute, uh, maybe bow your head, close your eyes, there's the Holy Spirit just nudging you, this isn't, I'm not look, at all looking for condemnation. I'm looking for, oh yeah, if I spoke like that or did that or acted like that, I would be that sign or symbol. Can you give us a minute just to do that? Praying, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and just nudge us now if there's anything you want to um, just pick up. Thanks, Lord. If there's anything, Lord, that you've just uh, nudged us there, please just water that and, and uh, remind us of that as we go through our week. So the people walking darkness, um, we've talked a little bit about that. We've said that actually one of our roles um, as, as carriers of the kingdom of God is to, is to be the sign and the symbol pointing to Jesus as we go through our week. Um, and then Isaiah kind of blows it out of the water. Um, so if you just pop to the next slide, and uh, the next slide, sorry, Coralie. Isaiah, so we were talking about uh, this, this um, political situation in this area of the world, and then Isaiah just remembers or sees or is given the words from having seen the Lord seated high and lifted up. So the people walking in the, in the future, in the future, he said, um, what does he say? <laughs> in the future, uh, the Lord, um, the people walking in darkness have seen this great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us the sun is given, um, and the government will be upon his shoulders. 
So Isaiah now goes from just the local to the eternal. And, and he has this vision of what, what the world is actually all about with God seated high above everybody. And um, he's saying that it's not just, I'm not just going to um, save Judah or, from this, this political issue, but there is a plan to save the cosmos, right? There is a plan to save this amazing planet that Gita was talking about. There is a plan to redeem the whole of humanity. And it comes through this son that's going to be born to us. And the, um, the wonder of that is amazing. Sometimes I find in my own thinking that my God becomes much smaller than this God, this Isaiah God. My God sometimes becomes, I'm going to pray for this little thing that's happening in my life. Oh, I'm going to pray for this sort of political situation that's happening you know, in my sphere of, of, of influence. But actually praying over Russian-Ukraine war praying over injustice, praying over um, asylum crisis, praying over the... Sometimes I don't feel... I don't see the Lord there. And Isaiah say, no, the government will be upon his shoulders. This is Jesus we're talking about now. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor. Just let's think about those people walking in darkness. They have a Wonderful Counselor. They have a Mighty God an everlasting father in the truest and most wonderful sense of the word father and the prince of peace. And the government uh, will be on his shoulders and he will uphold it with justice and righteousness. This is the God. This is the good news that we have. So in the darkness of this world, um, let's be these signs and symbols. Uh, as I was thinking about this this morning, just coming up, I, I remember, do you, do you remember there was this um, slogan for... Uh, recycling. And I, think it, I think it was, I tried to Google it, and I, actually I didn't try to Google it, I ran out of time. I was going to Google it. Um, I think it was, think globally, act locally. Does anybody remember anything like that? Is that a thing? Or have I just made that up? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought actually, um, it feels like Isaiah is saying, think eternally, but act locally. Think eternally, but act locally. So, in this short passage, I feel God is saying to us now, First of all, let's step into the prophetic as a body of people um, and, and let's be those, those, those prophets and ask for the gift of prophecy. Let's ask the Lord to give us an eye on what is happening in the now. Isaiah saw what was happening in the now. We don't need to be people who are caught into conspiracies. We don't need to be people obsessed with what the media are telling us or our social media are telling us we should be obsessed with. Let's ask God where his eyes are. Let's be signs and symbols to that amazing good news that we've talked about. Because the people walking in darkness are desperate for a great light. And we have that. Uh, We have that message through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. God, we look to you. Uh, we, We won't be overwhelmed. Give us vision to see things like you do. God, I pray for us as we, um, we listen to this ancient, ancient word. I pray that you would give us a fresh vision of the Lord, seated high and lifted up, the God of the universe, the God of the nations, the God over politics, the name above every name. 
thank you for grounding that in the person of Jesus Christ, the son that was given. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us your son. This week, Lord, as we go into our weeks, energize us to be the signs and symbols that point to this great news. Would we be carriers of this light? We're so thankful, Father, that for those walking in darkness, a great light has been seen. Help us to point to that this week in what we do. And Lord, if there's anything in our hearts, um, in our thinking, in our focus, that also needs to come under that light, shine that onto us now as well and help us to to deal with that now with you, um, to confess any sin we have before you. Lord, be our, be our inspiration, be our vision and be our wisdom as we step into this week. Amen.